Hello, and welcome to Standing in the Stream, a podcast for and about creative people. I'm your host, John Lane. This week is the conclusion of my conversation with Sharon Loudon, artist and editor of the book Living and Sustaining a Creative Life. I, w- I do want to make sure that we have a chance to talk about your work, uh, your your artistic work, your artistic practices, and you you do um, a variety of you work in a variety of media, painting, installations, sculpture, drawings, prints, and this animation project that I discovered on your website. I'm interested to know anything that you'd like to say or, or talk about about your own work or your creative process, or just I'll leave the door open for however you would like to talk about it. Oh my God, you're so nice to even ask that. Well, I think that my work, I, I mean, it's my truth. It's the only thing I really have, I think, for myself. Um, it's the only thing that I feel that um, communicates my my truth, like I said. Um, and so I like to reach for a different variety of media because I get bored. My work is based in drawing and these little tiny gestures that I like to have a dialogue with, uh, which morph into big environments. Uh, especially in sculpture, and then uh, moving environments in animation, implied movement in painting and drawing. Um, I have a dialogue with them, and I have um, mostly since graduate school. I was a figurative artist for many years, and then in graduate school, I started to break the figure down into to lines and then started to have a dialogue with them in pulling together, hopefully, uh, visual vocabulary that also entertains, inspires, and has a dialogue with others. I, I do love to do different projects, and I the one at the animation project at National Gallery of Art will be my third uh, co-curated project uh, with the Department of Film at the NGA, where we bring forward um, uh, the genre of abstract film. Uh, I do believe that that's a lost genre, and I, I really... Uh, want to bring uh, forward contemporary views of abstract animation and film, of which my language is, is completely immersed and I'm interested in. Um, so I, that's going to be next year. I'm actually having a meeting about that on April 2nd in Washington uh, for me to move forward on that. And we're hoping that we can travel it. The last one, we did have venues to travel, but it didn't work out because of some difficulties with some of the artists that were in the uh, group, uh, and that sometimes happens, human nature. Uh, but it was sad that that didn't occur. So this time around, I really wanted to go other places and show a lot of the world that there's uh, there's wonderful effect and beauty in abstract animation. It's very interesting. Uh, Walt Disney had a wonderful uh, love for it, and he was a, actually a... A, a big uh, component for it, he developed uh, the dot and line, which was one of, I think, one of Chuck Jones's uh, first video, uh, not videos, um, films that received an Academy Award, I think it was 1965. Um, and there's just been a lot of pioneers in the abstract uh, in the moving image. Um, and Oscar Fissinger had this wonderful film that was up at the Whitney uh, a few years ago, and that was extraordinary. Uh, so I, I'd like to bring that back a little bit more. And I think as an artist, I have the means to do that just from as a, as a uh, extension of my practice to be able to have commentary through 
other people's work and bringing them forward. So that's that project. Um, but I have other, as you mentioned, other projects. I love to do big uh, environmental uh, installations that I can walk through and feel like I can live in. Uh, so I'm going to be doing a few of those coming up, um, the, one this summer and outdoors, and then one in the fall uh, for a museum. And I do, I do like doing temporary and permanent large-scale installations. And then it, for me, it's just drawing in space, essentially. But how about your work? So, well, well uh, since you mentioned this, you know, abstract uh, animation films, uh, one of the things that I did with my student ensemble, I have a percussion ensemble here at the university, and I, I always try to do uh, really unique programming with the students and expose them to lots of different uh, ideas and different ways of making music and combining music with other arts. And so one of the things that we did, which was uh, I had a blast with because I'm a huge uh, film buff and I, I love silent era films. And so what we did was we I put together a whole program of silent films and then uh, scored them with some music from the era, so like ragtime, or we I even found some old uh, film music that would have been played on a piano or an organ in a film house, a uh, catalog of such incidental kind of music, and had the students arrange it themselves. And anyway, in the process of doing research on all these silent era films, I wanted to include some sort of uh, Dadaist or experimental films from the 20s, and I, I came across a film called uh, Rhythmus 21 by Hans Richter. I, and I wonder if you are familiar with that uh, film or, or that work. I mean, it's, it's, it's a very abstract sort of, it's hard to describe on audio podcast, right? But it's sort of like uh, lines and boxes that sort of zoom in and out and move around the screen. It's, it's very crude and it's just sort of black and white, you know? Uh, and so he made these by actually painting on the cells so he was actually painting on the film itself and uh, apparently that's how these were were made i wonder if you know of that work at all but you know what's interesting what you just said is that the nga i don't know if you knew this and this is for everybody listening these programs that we do at the nga they are uh, it, it is a program that's not recorded it's of the moment it is based out of the silent film era where the NGA has a film accompanist, Andrew Simpson. I don't know if you know him. And in fact, John, you should work with him. You, he is amazing. I love this guy. And I, I have to say this too. He's one of the nicest people I have ever met in my entire life. I don't, I don't, I don't, I, I swear to God, he's close to being angelic. Um, Andrew Simpson, he works at, at Catholic University, but he's also, as I said, the film accompanist for all of the films at the NGA that are silent. He did all scores. So for my, exactly what you did, which is extraordinary that you're talking about this, for each of these programs, he developed scores for a lot of the films and makes it a big live event. Yeah. Um, and I think the artist that you're talking about is Len Lai, who did this incredible film, now it just came to me, thank God, who did this wonderful film called Free Radicals, which was in one of the programs that we had. It's one of the most amazing films where they were painted, the, the uh, marks and uh, squares were painted on. But also you have other artists that have done that, like Jules Engels and um, many other artists at the time in the 50s and 60s who did that, or even earlier that they did that. 
Uh, so I, I, I don't know if I would be able to guess it, but I think it's fantastic that you did that experiment and that it's alive and well at the National Gallery of Art. Hmm. Well, I'll have to check that out. The, um, the artist that I was talking about is Hans Richter. Uh, that did this film. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Fantastic. With, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, yeah, um, that's that's really an interesting... Uh, I, you know, I just sort of came across these abstract films from the 20s, and I had not seen those or been exposed to those in any... Um, anywhere so uh, I'm, I'm curious to learn more and and ex, you know sort of explore that a little bit but my own creative work is uh largely tied up with collaborations with other artists and um the most recent one has been a very fruitful collaboration with this poet nick lance um and he was on i had him on the podcast a, a few i guess it was last month and um but we've done a whole bunch of uh pieces together uh, where I sort of uh, composed music for his poems, and uh, then we collaborated with my wife and I. Amanda Pepping is my wife, and uh, we we have a trumpet and percussion duo, and so we've worked with Nick in developing, um, you know, concert programs of poetry combined with music, some of which is new and original or improvised, and then some we alternate where Nick does his poetry reading and then we play music and sort of alternate back and forth. But that's kind of what that's kind of what I've been up to is in terms of creative work. I think it's amazing and this podcast that you do is also very creative and just by fact like here when I'm I'm speaking with you now I looked up Hans Richter and I think it's called Rhythmist 21. Is that the film that you're you're referencing with that's, the square? Yep, the black that's, and white? That's it exactly. Yeah. yeah. Amazing, and I totally know that, and I should have known that. I got it mixed up with my favorite low lie. I'm sorry, my <laughs> bias went right in front of me. Sorry about that. No, no, and no. You know what? It says that there's so many artists that are undiscovered in this genre, and it's exciting to know that you are also loving doing this, and also your your projects. You're expanding your reach and and collaborating with your wife. I mean, that's a fantastic story. I think every person, including yourself, has a story of how they live and sustain their creative lives. And uh, certainly through your teaching, right, and doing this podcast as an extension of your uh, your practice, I would imagine, is really fantastic. I, I applaud you for that. I mean, I think that a lot of artists may not have the capacity to do that, but you, you definitely do. It's wonderful. One of the things that I try to impart to students is that being a being an artist, and, and I like to think, you know, we all have our sort of disciplines that we work in, but we're essentially all artists, right? Those of us that are embarking on some sort of creative, yeah. whether we're interpreting yeah. and performing or whether we're creating. I, I like to try to impart to them the idea that being an artist is not simply a, a vocation or a or a job, but it's it's a way of being in the world. And... That's something that this book that you have collected of these essays, I think if I could boil it down into one sentence, that's that's really what it's all about. It's how to be how to be an artist in the world and how to do that. Do you... Well, thank you for saying that. It's wonderful that you would you would narrow that down to that and um, and so eloquently. I appreciate it. I I'm hoping that through this book that the conversation continues and. I know there's a demand for a second book, so I'm I'm going to do that to hear different voices from different people. But also I had mentioned to you privately that I'll say, too, that 
Um, my hope is to do other books like Living a Sustained Creative Life, Music, um, uh, Theater, Poetry and Dance, and Writing. Uh, and I haven't, uh, again, I'm negotiating my contract with my publisher, and I'm in the process of trying to figure out how to um, work with certain editors to make those things happen. But I do believe that uh, it's going to be interesting to be able to read those essays, but I think they're going to be very similar, I have to say, even though it's going to be different because the media is different, but how uh, creative people balance things out and juggle their uh, obstacles and do all different things um, and, and reaching for different things, I think is quite similar. Uh, and I, I think it's empowering to hear other voices from different, like yourself, and being a percussionist and the things you do in teaching to reach out to uh, to include different media like Hans Richter's um, Rhythmus 21 with music. I mean, that's wonderful and extraordinary, and that kind of, quote, risk-taking and not something that's so formulaic, I think, is common with people thinking out of the box, which, again, gets back to um, how important that is to the economy and the structure of how we live, and I'd love to have that more integrated. Yeah, well, I'd be very curious to to read books on on the other uh, the other artistic disciplines in this sort of in this style. So I hope that that goes forward for you, and that 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 you can make that happen. That would be a great contribution to the conversation. And uh, well, thank you for that um, that vote of confidence and 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 wish. I appreciate it. I. I will. Uh, I am pursuing it, but it's probably going to be slow in getting there because I have to find the funds to be able to do these things too. That's sure. a big part of the reality of it. Um, and a lot of people who aren't in, haven't done a book before may think that the publisher takes care of everything, but that's not true. And uh, uh, it's actually very difficult to uh, to do this. Uh, on a shoestring, and I don't have the support of these um, educational, uh, these institutions that do give me wonderful opportunities to collaborate and teach there. However, I don't have um, the old-fashioned, uh, now very rare opportunity for an institution to support such a book. Yeah. Um, so it will take time for those to get out in the world, but I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll do that in a timely fashion, even though it will take time. Yeah, great. Hi, everyone. Sorry to interrupt the show. I just wanted to drop in and ask that uh, if you are listening on iTunes, please do me a favor. Go back and leave a rating or a review. It helps people find and follow the show. Thanks. So we should probably wrap up here, and um, I always like to close the podcast with uh, some some kind of perspective or or advice on the creative life, and uh, you know that was largely inspired uh, as I sort of developed the format of this um, podcast by finding and reading your the book this book that you've edited. So besides oh God, going besides going out and getting this book um and and reading all of the information there and the the perspectives there i wonder if you have any closing thoughts about um about this this living and sustaining a, a creative life that you could share with everyone 
Well, a lot of people ask me, without reading the book, what are the ways to live and sustain a creative life? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, they, they ask me that, that, uh, that book on the tour, and, of course, I want them to read the book. Um, that's the most important thing for me. Um, but I will say that uh, the, the keys in which to sustain a creative life, I think, are uh, sharing with individuals, to be able to be open to exchange, to to not necessarily uh, uh, think that uh, if you're not getting where you want to get as a creative individual, that something in the universe uh, the universe doesn't have another plan for you. That I think that if I had learned early on that um, my disappointment by not getting certain things that I applied for. Uh, was a waste of time and that perhaps the universe had a different plan for me and have faith in that, I would feel like I have a couple more years of my life uh, because I wasted all that time. I don't believe there's anything, I, I do not believe that there's um, uh, any value or, or relevance to rejection in a professional life. I don't believe in rejection. I believe it's a difference of opinion. I think rejection is too personal. And therefore, I think that um, creative individuals uh, need to wake that off their back as much as they can in order to keep um, thinking out of the box and creating opportunities for themselves. Uh, those are the people that can succeed and sustain their creative life, uh, just as, as they create different opportunities in their own work, in their studio. Uh, so I just uh, were on the stage or... In, in, in their in writing or whatever their form is. So I, I, I think paying attention to those moments where you can go forward and taking that and running with those moments is key to uh, uh, moving forward to practice and sustaining a, a creative life. Um, now that might, people might think, oh, that's a lot of hot air as far as um, making a living. Um, but I know from having all that debt when I got out of college, I had $115,000 in debt because my parents didn't pay for my education. Because I paid it off, and my husband gave me ideas in which to pay it off. We, we had these very different ways of thinking out of the box and moments in time we took advantage of to pay those off in 10 years. And I, I think that you can persevere. I don't have any backing nor do I'm not a rich person. I'm just trying uh, to live my life um, as much as I can uh, and live the life I want to live, which is far more than what a lot of people have in this world. So I guess what I could say to wrap it up is that I don't think that we have anything to complain about, to be honest, because we, um, as creative individuals, know what we want to do in our lives and know what we have. And we know how to express ourselves, and we can live in the cracks of life. Um, and we're even if we're at a day job and we're having lunch, we can scribble on a piece of paper. We can think through things. We can communicate with others of what how we want to share and express ourselves and get it out into the world. So I, I just don't think there's uh, a lot to complain about in that in that side of it. Um, I think that there can be many worse things. Uh, I do think it can be a struggle to not get where we want to get, but I think that there are many opportunities now to sustain a creative life, 
proven by what I put out in this book, by proven, but proven every single day by how artists sustain their lives by examples um, all over the world. Uh, so that, that's what I would say as a vote of confidence, but also kicking some ass to say that let's work towards going forward to be able to um, uh, make things happen rather than keeping us back by being disappointed. Sharon, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for your uh, kind and generous correspondence in the, in the course of getting you on, and I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today. Well, thank you, John, and I'm sorry I messed up on the, the, uh, the Hans Richter, but I'm glad that you fooled me on him, and I'm thrilled that I learned so much from you today as well. Thank you. I look forward to staying in touch with you, and everybody listening, uh, reach out to me. I'd love to meet you. I mean that in all sincerity if you know me. Thank you. And with that, we conclude this episode of Standing in the Stream, Conversations with Creatives. Again, I'm your host, John Lane. You can follow me on Twitter, at ThatJohnLane. You can find the show links and show notes on my website, john-lane.com, and follow the show on Facebook. Simply search for Standing in the Stream. Thanks to Danny Clay for our theme music. You can find him online at dclaymusic.com. I'll be back next time for more conversations with creatives. Thanks for listening.